This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by the Nature Publishing Group. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. One of the most significant promises of the use of genetics in medicine is that it will, in the future, offer a pathway to diagnosing diseases and then helping practitioners find a way to treat their patients. This is not yet a common application, however, but a recent paper in the journal Genetics and Medicine demonstrates how genetics is being used today to both diagnose and treat patients. Danelle Pond is a genetics counselor at Children's Minnesota. So this is a little boy that we've followed in our clinic since, basically since he was an infant. And over time, he had various features that kind of popped up as he got older. You know, he started off, I think the main reason he was referred to us was craniosynostosis. And so we, you know, started there. And then as he got a little older, they started noticing that his face was looking a little different from other family members. They described it as coarse. And so we started chasing down the possibility that he had could have one of these yeah, conditions that, you know, are called a storage disorder. And, you know, as things were changing, we kept trying to find a diagnosis for him, but we were never successful. And so in 2012, they sent this young boy for exome sequencing, but it came back negative. The sequencing found no mutations that might be related to his disease. But over the next couple of years, certain aspects of his condition worsened. He had thin hair and a receding hairline, and his atypical features made him stand out to other kids. But two things particularly affected his quality of life. His hands and toes were thick and puffy, which made anything that took fine motor coordination difficult, and he had problems with his gums. So the combination of those two things, like these two things that kept getting worse, by the time we saw him back after having a negative exome, it was almost a year and a half. And we said, okay, well, it's been long enough. We should ask for them to look at the data again. And after they did that, they found a change in this gene called PDGFRB. um, And they categorized it as likely pathogenic. This was new. There just was not much known about it the first time that they looked through the data. Um, And so by the time they looked at the second one, there had been several more reports that clearly said that pathogenic changes in that gene have been associated with a condition. Um, And that condition was called infantile myofibromatosis. This condition presented differently from the little boy's phenotype. It usually causes lumps and bumps. That wasn't the prominent feature for him. So we hadn't really considered that as one of the major things to be looking for. However, when you looked at the animal models, so mice who have mutations in PDGFRB, the interesting piece there was that they had been reported to have craniosynostosis. We couldn't find any reports of people who had a PDGFRB mutation with craniosynostosis, but it was kind of a, hmm, well, that's kind of interesting. Maybe, maybe this is real. The very next spring at the ACMG conference, the team heard a talk from someone whose patient had a mutation in the same gene who was considering using the leukemia drug imatinib to treat the genetic disorder. So um, PDGFRB mutations in that have um, been found in people who have certain types of leukemia. And there's this drug called imatinib that's used to treat that condition. And so that's why this other clinician out in Milwaukee had been thinking about making that connection. This person had, you know, a whole bunch of lumps and bumps. It was impacting their quality of life. They wanted a treatment. And so they were thinking about using imatinib. Um, So once we got wind of that, we said, okay, well, let's maybe think about pursuing this. But we wanted to be really careful because this is a, you know, 
drug that's used to treat cancers, which can impact growth. And, you know, when you're thinking about giving that to a young child, you want to make sure that you're not going to interfere with, you know, normal growth and development. This is because the alteration in the PDGFRB gene turns on pathways that lead to cell growth, which results in certain aspects of growth going into overdrive. The drug interferes with that signaling. First, the team tested the drug on the patient's skin cells, and it did, in fact, change the expression of that gene. And then, after careful consultation with his parents, they started treating the child with the drug. And after several months, I mean, we checked in with the family, and his parents said, oh, yeah, it it seems to be affecting him. Like, he is making improvements. Um, You know, functionally, he was doing better. He was able to write for longer. He had more energy. And they felt, too, like he um, even looked a little bit different. His hair was coming in a little bit thicker. Um, His hands weren't looking as definitely thick and puffy. These improvements in his condition continued over time, which improved his quality of life. He could even tie his shoes for the first time. Ms. Pond says there are implications for more than just this one child. It just kind of goes to show that this is really a possible outcome from exome sequencing. Not to say that that's you know, what we should expect, just because, you know, not every gene has a drug that's associated with it quite so nicely as this. Um, But there certainly are big categories of uh, conditions that have mutations in genes like this, um, where there is a drug that affects the action of that gene. And so I think it's kind of a proof of concept that, yes, you can identify a mutation in a gene that it has a drug that acts on that mutation. And you can use that to treat a patient and see an impact on their quality of life. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by The Nature Publishing Group. I'm Cynthia Graber.